Our scripture reading this morning um, is from two books. We'll start with the book of Genesis, chapter 22, found on page 31. Abraham tested. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham! Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, That because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of of their enemies, and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants, and they set off together for Beersheba, and Abraham stayed in Beersheba. Some time later, Abraham was told, Milcah is also a mother. She has borne sons to your brother Nahor, Uz the firstborn, Buzz his brother, Kemuel, the father of Aram, Kesed, Hazo, Pildash, Jidlaf, and Bethuel. Bethuel became the father of Rebekah. Milcah bore these eight sons to Abraham's brother Nahor. His concubine, whose name was Rumah, also had sons, Teba, Geham, Tehash, and Makkah. And now to Hebrews, chapter 11, page 1875, starting at verse 11. By faith Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Down to verse 17. By faith Abraham, when God tested him, 
offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did not receive Isaac back from the dead. This far. Our text is verse 8 of Genesis 22, where Abraham answers Isaac, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. God will provide the lamb. People of God, uh, we are looking this morning at a text that, that came up as we were traveling in the Middle East. We, we went... As you know, on, on this trip with a number of pastors to the Middle East, and we, we reflected on things of the Bible in terms of the land of the Bible, uh, Egypt and Jordan and Israel, and, and we had opportunity to reflect on all kinds of different things, and this was one of the things that, that we reflected on. I'd like to share this with you as, as I've shared some other things along the way. Among the things... Of, of geography and, and topography, uh, there was also just an understanding of God's word uh, through the rabbinic tradition, the tradition of the rabbis. The Old Testament was always the book of faith of the Jewish people, and the rabbis studied it with great devotion and as they looked into it over the centuries, they developed very keen insights based on just a deep understanding of who God is. And in their sincere faith, they found many truths in the Old Testament text that we as New Testament believers, we just scan over. It doesn't really connect with us as much. Now, these insights were part of the teaching our group leader shared as, as he had taken a special interest in the rabbinic tradition of looking at the Old Testament and how the rabbis had looked at that and what they had thought and considered. So I want to focus this morning on, <coughs> on one detail in regard to Genesis 22 and, and just to share with you what a difference it makes when we deepen our understanding in regard to what God has done and especially in regard to who Jesus is and how Jesus has ministered to us. So again, our way of engaging the text is to ask questions of the text. Always a good way to, uh, to begin. And what we have here in Genesis 22, people have asked many questions about Genesis 22. One for example, regarding human sacrifice. People have asked about human sacrifice. Truth is, it was quite common in Abraham's day, in the culture. As we did travel through Jordan, we went to Petra. We climbed above all of the touristy things to a high place, which overlooks that region where the people uh, of, of Canaan also worshipped, and that was a place where children were sacrificed. 
And so Abraham would have known about this and there would have been some, some connectedness. It wouldn't have been completely unusual for Abraham to hear what he hears here from God in terms of sacrificing Isaac. A question has been raised too. Why, why test Abraham? Why did Abraham need to be tested? And there too, it's really not unusual then and now. If we just think of now, if, if things are of importance, we do test them. You have that with things like drug companies uh, testing their product to prove that they are safe and effective. That's, that's normal. That's fine. And we have vehicles that are tested, crashed in all kinds of ways so that we know that they are reliable, strong, safe. And I read a book by Chris Hatfield where it goes on about his being called uh, and, and as an astronaut and all of the tests he went through before they sent him into space. And so in the same way, Abraham is tested, his faith is tested by God because Abraham is going to be setting out, is setting out in God's great plan of salvation. He is the key person. And in Hebrews 11, he is referred to the most as a man of faith who goes forward in faith. And so that faith would be tested before he goes on in doing greater things. So that's, again, not so unusual that Abraham's faith would be tested. The one question I want to focus on this morning with you and the rabbinic insight I'd like to share with you is a very simple question. I had it in the bulletin last week. How old is Isaac when Genesis 22 happened? How old is he? And this is something the rabbis reflected on. Most commonly, when we think of this passage, then, then we think of things like Genesis 2, verse 2, where it says, uh, take your son. And Genesis 22, verse 5, uh, I and the boy. Uh, and then verse 7, Isaac's question, uh, where is the lamb? Yeah, he's just an inquisitive young lad who is wondering a little bit about what's going on. And Abraham puts uh, the young lad in his place a little bit. He says, well, you don't really understand this, but I'm doing godly things and God will provide. And then in verse 9, when Abraham binds Isaac, yeah, he grabs the little guy. He, he with tears in his eyes, he, he does what God has called him to do. He binds him up and he lays him on the altar. And then God in grace stops him at the last moment. It's a powerful picture. It's it's tremendously powerful picture. It's definitely too Abraham's faith that he, by the power of God, is able to actually do this and, and has in his heart and mind an, an assurance that, that this is God speaking and God will work in this and even that God would raise Isaac again. Hebrews 11 verse 17. So that is definitely a powerful picture of faith. But Isaac is really too young to sense any danger and too weak to resist. And he's not really that much part of the story. It's the test of Abraham. Now, one of the, 
one of the responses then, as we would read it that way, as we think about it that way, we would think too, I wonder if I could do that. If God tests my faith, how could I possibly have faith like Abraham like that? And, and that's definitely a, a, a thought that comes out of it and a focus that comes out of it. But, but would, that, would that be the most central thing that we need to reflect on? Listen to how, how like our focus shouldn't be on Abraham. Not you and I should be like Abraham, first of all. He is a great example, great example of faith. But our thought, too, I can't do that. I couldn't do that. I can't be like that. My faith is not like that. So consider what the rabbis thought. The rabbis saying how old Isaac was. And look at some of the details in the text, some of the other details uh, more surrounding the text. In Genesis 21, verse 1 to 3, Isaac is born. The Lord was gracious to Sarah. She became pregnant, uh, and she had a son. They named him Isaac. They circumcised him. In Genesis 21, verse 34... At the end of that chapter, Isaac has been born, and it says in Genesis 21, verse 34, Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines for a long time. How long? We don't know exactly. But Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines after Isaac was born for a long time. Then it says in Genesis 22, verse 1, sometime later still, God tested Abraham. So how long was that? Well, doesn't say exactly, but it was a long time, and then it was longer still. Then it says, in Genesis 23, verse 1, it speaks of Sarah's death. So after these events, Sarah dies, and it says in Genesis 23, verse 1, Sarah lived to be 127 years old. And the events in 20, Genesis 22 happened just before uh, she died. So how old was Sarah when she had Isaac? Genesis 17, 17 tells us Sarah will have a child at the age of 90. So God says by next year you will have a son. So the rabbis teach that Isaac could have been up to 37 years old. 37 years old. That would have been the oldest he could have been. Other rabbis speak of the age range from 25 to 35. It's not absolutely certain, but what is certain, and what is quite remarkable, is that the rabbis consistently say Isaac was a grown man. He was a grown man a fully grown adult. So that changes the picture when we read about Isaac going with his father Abraham to make the sacrifice. How old was Abraham? In Genesis 22, it says uh, he was 100 when Isaac was born. So if Sarah dies at 127, 
is around 130, 135, 137. And Genesis 25, 7 tells us he lived to be 175. So he is getting up there. In Genesis 22, verse 3, it adds, two servants helped travel the distance, about 80 kilometers to Mount Moriah. Maybe two is unusual. One to help Abraham, the other to help with other things. Abraham is an old man. Genesis 22, verse 5, when it talks about the boy, boy there in the Hebrew is a general term. It can mean from a young lad to a military man, age of 20, 25, 30. Still the son of Abraham, still a boy compared to his father, but a fully grown adult. Genesis 22, verse 6, the wood put on Isaac. Verse 3, enough wood to offer a sacrifice. This was a strong boy. This was a, a strong young man to carry the wood up Mount Moriah. Abraham is not carrying very much. He carries the fire and the knife. That's not very heavy. He can carry that. Brings us to verse 9. And the difference, a deeper point of view. The biblical account in other places, here it's titled Abraham tested. In other places, it's titled the binding of Isaac. Uh, the 130-year-old Abraham is going to bind his 25-year-old son, Isaac. I have three sons. My three sons are all in their mid-20s. I could not bind them. If I set out to try to bind one of them, to tie them up, that, wasn't, that will not happen. That just will not happen. They are stronger than I am. The picture here of Isaac not grabbing a little kid, but standing with a full-grown young man then our understanding has to change and deepen. And, and when it's obvious that Isaac could have easily resisted, a young man in the prime of his life, the rabbis teach, Isaac offered himself. Isaac allowed himself to be bound. That's the only way. It's the only way I could bind my son if they allowed themselves to be bound. Well, well, what difference does that make? How does that deepen our understanding of the story? Our understanding changes because as he lets himself be bound, as he willingly gives himself as a sacrifice, then... It moves from Abraham's faith. Abraham's faith is strong and true. But Abraham's faith also, by God's grace, was supposed to be passed on to his children. That his children would be owners of that faith themselves. That's God's covenant promise to you and your children that the faith gets passed on. So here... Both of their faith is tested. Isaac's faith is tested too. 
And even the fact that God calls parents to pass on their faith to their children. Abraham has talked about God to Isaac. He has lived out the centrality of faith and obedience before Isaac for Isaac's whole life. And one of the rabbis pictures it this way. He says, as they got to the top of the mountain, as they built the altar, then Abraham sat Isaac down and spoke to him about the centrality of his faith. Abraham, as a parent, spoke of his faith clearly to Isaac. So Isaac, we trust in God. I've trusted in God all my life. There's no other way to live. God is the only one. He's our only hope. He has provided through all my years. And now he has asked for you to be the sacrifice. And then the response is written nicely in the rabbinic account. Isaac receives the faith of his father. And he says, I will be the sacrifice by God's grace. He willingly gives himself. He yields himself to God in personal faith. Interesting. Maybe you've never really thought about it that way. But do you see what it does do in relation to the story? By upping the age of Isaac, by engaging this very likely detail, we see Christ Jesus. We see Christ Jesus at the center of the story, which is what we need to see, really. Christ, the ultimate descendant of Abraham, Christ, the one through whom all nations will be blessed, gave himself willingly on the cross for our sins. No one forced him. He did so believing and knowing fully God's plan was true and sure. John 10, verse 17 and 18, the words of Jesus are very specifically that way. The reason my father loves me, Abraham loves Isaac, God the father loves Jesus, is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down willingly of my own accord. So we see Jesus and the deep center of faith is Jesus, true God, who gives himself as the lamb, as the sacrifice in faith for us. That's where our focus has to be. The great preacher, Charles Spurgeon, lists more connections to Jesus. Uh, there are many here in this account. Uh, you have the detail, Isaac is the only son. Jesus is the only son of the father. Isaac is the beloved here, two verse, uh, 22 verse 2. Take your son, the one you love. Jesus is the beloved of God, Luke three twenty-two. God speaks from heaven. This is my beloved son. Isaac was an obedient son. Jesus was obedient unto death. Philippians 2 verse 8. Isaac was the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. Jesus is the fulfillment of all God's promises. So you see all kinds of connections. Isaac carried the wood. Jesus carried the cross up the hill. And... It was the same hill. 
Where is Mount Moriah? One Chronicles tells us the temple was built on Mount Moriah. Jerusalem is on Mount Moriah. Jesus was crucified outside the city gate on Mount Moriah carrying his own cross. Isaac carried wood up that same hill. But all of that, all of that especially comes to the fact that he gave himself, Jesus gave himself willingly. And then we have the story in Genesis 22 that no, no, Isaac was a little boy and Abraham wrapped him up and, and he wasn't really involved. No, no, maybe he was. Maybe already by grace, the faith of his father, central in his life, he gave himself. Jesus gives himself willingly for our sin, the true Son of God in loving obedience. And then we see the, re the resurrection, Isaac as if raised, Hebrews 11, verse 19, Jesus truly raised. So our faith, our faith is focused then, a testing of faith. What is faith? Where is faith to be focused? That you and I need to be like Abraham? That our faith better be stronger? Well, there's no hope there. There's no comfort there. And we can all just say, we're, we're done. But our faith, even through Abraham, but pictured beautifully here in Isaac, is, is not in ourselves. Not The focus is on Jesus. Our faith has to be in him. And we can talk about testing, and when our faith is tested, and it is tested at many times, what do we do then? If our faith is tested by struggles and hardships and illness and, and all kinds of things, what do we do? We look to Jesus. That's where we need to look. Our faith is in him. Our faith is only secure in him. When we see the amazing love of God at the center of our faith in Jesus coming and giving himself for us, to give us that center of our worth and our place and our value before God, that our faith is strengthened every day by trusting in Jesus. That's the assurance we need, and that never fails. And that's why we have the Lord's Supper again this morning, remembering the willing, loving sacrifice of Jesus. That's where our faith centers, and it's already visible already in Genesis 22, it's visible here for us. The great love of God. Jesus who we remember and celebrate. Jesus our Savior who gives us life and hope and joy and peace. Let's pray together.